Today, with uh, Seven Deadly Sins, we're talking about greed. And uh, before we get going, I just want to remind you, all sin is deadly. (laughs) All sin is deadly, not just seven. And the seven deadly sins are what theologians uh, and church leaders of the past determined uh, were the roots from which all other sins spring from. But the truth that we know from God's Word, Romans 3.23, is that all sin kills. All sin destroys us. And all sin wages war against our souls. So the good news, though, and, and, and the good news as we talk about the seven deadly sins is that Jesus Christ can rescue us from sin and death. He is the remedy for our souls. And my hope is that over the next seven weeks and, and the seven weeks of this series is that we will approach Holy Week, you know, crucifixion, resurrection, as a congregation, as we approach that, that our faith it was our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in the cross is going to grow, and the power of sin is going to diminish in our lives. That is my hope. Now, overcoming deadly sin is not just about holding yourself back from sin. It's about replacing. It's about returning. It's about pursuing Jesus Christ. Those are all things connected with the word repent, returning, replacing, pursuing. See, these sins are not just something that's outside of us, but it's also within us. You see, there's something within us that is wrong that has to be changed. Uh, Maybe you've heard me say it before like this. uh, It's like if there's an apple tree that you see in the summer and fall, you see all the fruit hanging off of it, and you go, oh, that's an apple tree. Well, fall comes, leaves come off, and the fruit comes off, it's picked off, cleaned up, and then the tree loses all its leaves, and you may not be able to tell what it is by just looking at it, but maybe a farmer or someone who's an arborist, they they would look at it and go, oh, that's an apple tree. It's still an apple tree, even though there's not apples on it. Same thing with me and my sin. Uh, I'm a sinner, and, and so there is sin that comes out on me like fruit, and it's very visible at certain times. But, you know, I, I can pick it off and clean it up, and, uh, and I can, you can look at me and go, well, I don't see any sin, but I'm still a sinner. Still there, because another season will come around, and that fruit will come back out. So there's something within me that has to be changed. There's something that has to be regenerated. It's what uh, people of the church call it, regenerated. New life begin within something that's dead. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. And that is how we begin to overcome sin in our lives. Jesus Christ has to be present first. So, we, so far we've spoken of lust, gluttony, and today we look at greed. Now, Leo, Leo Tolstoy uh, was a great Russian writer. Uh, he was also a Christ follower. And he had a short story that he called, How Much Land Does a Man Need? And uh, some of you have probably read it before, but it's a real simple story. It goes like this. Uh, There's a wealthy landowner, and one day he basically decides he's going to have a great big sweepstakes. You know, uh, tomorrow for all my workers, uh, we're going to have this this big giveaway, and the giveaway works like this. However far that you can walk and and come back to the starting point within a day, within sunup, sundown, wherever you put your feet, that will be your land. It will be given to you. And uh, when that announcement was made, of course, all the workers were excited. Uh, Man, let's do this thing. And uh, so they're thinking about all the schemes. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get land? What's my plan of attack? 
And so the next morning comes before sunrise. They're all gathered, uh, sends them off. And uh, some, of the, some of the workers are very conservative. Some of the workers, they, they just walk a few hours. And before it even gets to noon, they're, they're already heading back because they don't want to miss out on this chance. No accidents, don't want to fall down, break a leg. I'm going to get back because this is my first chance I can ever own my own land. I'm going to do this thing. And then there's others who are a little more calculated. And they go, well, you know what? If I, I want to make the most of all the daylight, I want, to, I want to be able to get lots of land. And so I'm going to walk at a certain steady pace until noon. And then I'm going to turn back around and walk, or, or maybe just a little before noon. And, and then I'm going to turn around and walk back the same steady pace. And then I'll get back in time and I'll have the most amount of land that I could possibly get. Now, there was one fellow who started thinking... And he thought a little late, but he was thinking as he was walking out, he, he was kind of thinking of going till noon and coming back. But as he was walking, he began looking at all the land going, this is all going to be mine. Every place where I set my foot. And, but you know what? What would happen if I increased my pace? What if I started running? And so just a little before noon, he starts running. And so he keeps running away from the starting line, from the starting point after noon. Because he's thinking to himself, well, I, you know, I'm going at a faster rate than when I started, so I can still get back in time. So he makes calculations in his head, and at a certain point, he turns around, and he's, run, and he's running back. Well, as he's running back, you know, it's past noon, he's starting to see the sun going down. And he's working, he's running, he's sweating, he's breathing hard, and he's thinking about, he's got to get back in time. And, and it looks like, oh, I better pick up my fa- pace even more. He's running faster. He gets to the finish line just as the sun is going down. And as he crosses, panting and breathing hard, crosses the finish line, he drops dead. These, uh, the other workers are there who've already completed their walk. They pick the man up. They go and they dig a hole and they put the man in the ground and bury him. And then Leo Tolstoy says, how much land does a man need? Six feet. Now Jesus told a similar story way before Leo Tolstoy ever was born. And his story is found in Luke chapter 12, and it's very similar. And it was started from a man in the crowd giving, throwing out a comment and uh, a question. And, and Jesus responds with this story just right off the bat. And I wish I could respond that way. I'm not that quick-witted. But uh, Jesus, of course, was, and, uh, and here's how it goes in Luke 12, starting with verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide an inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said to himself, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of years. Uh, Good things laid up for, for all these years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then Jesus says, concludes, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, 
but is not rich toward God. Wow, heavy conclusion, heavy story. Uh, Let me just read to you again uh, verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, greed, it comes from the Greek word pleonexia. Uh, you know, we have anorexia, but there's other exias, and pleonexia is simply wanting more and more and more. That's the definition. And like Jesus said, there are many kinds of greed. There's all kinds of greed. And, uh, and I think sometimes, maybe, especially in Asheville, where we have an awareness of supporting local and, you know, those greedy corporate guys, you know, we, we kind of put greed out there on those big corporations. We put greed out there, Wall Street. Uh, you know, it's hard for us sometimes to maybe think about the type of greed that comes after every one of us and gets us. But it's there, and it's real. Uh, you know, like what's described in the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament, one kind of greed was specifically commanded against, and it was called covetousness. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And, uh, and it says uh, it's a greed for something that someone else has. Your neighbor's house, maybe. Your neighbor's wife. Your neighbor's business. You're envious of his... Uh, possessions, his employees, all the things, all these are things are examples used in that commandment. Uh, This sort of greed is probably more connected with envy, which is a close cousin of greed, which we'll talk about later. Uh, But it reminds me of of a a fellow named John D. Rockefeller, who uh, back in the early 1900s was making millions. And uh, during that time, a reporter came to him. Now, Rockefeller was a Christ follower, and he did, was very generous in many ways. Uh, but it's interesting, uh, the greed can sneak up on anyone. And it's interesting, uh, when the reporter asked him, he said, well, you know, how, many, how much more money do you think you need to make? You have all these millions. And then Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. And he said it with a smile. But really, that's what greed says. That's what greed says in each of our hearts. Just a little more. And it can get the best of us. It can get the best of us even those who are great and generous. You know, I mean, really when you think about it, as people, isn't it the way we kind of are? I mean, when you think about it. I mean, if someone, uh, we're, we're, we're about wanting more, not wanting less. I mean, especially here in our country where bigger is better and all those kind of things. Uh, and if you think about it, I mean, what if somebody offered you a job your, at your workplace, offered you a raise, uh, for your job. And, and you responded by saying, ah, you know what, I have enough. I don't, I don't want to raise. I mean, things don't work that way, do it, do they? I mean, you're supposed to say yes to that kind of thing, right? You're not supposed to say, I have enough. I mean, and if you did say something like that, I mean, what would everybody here say? We'd probably go, well, what's wrong with that man or that woman? Are they not ambitious? What, they don't want to go somewhere in life? What's, what's wrong with them? With, we, really, we would think something is wrong with somebody if they said they had enough and they refused more money or a raise in their position. You know what? Uh, it's easy for us to disguise greed. It's easy for us to disguise greed as ambition or hard work. Well, I'm, I'm working so that my family can have good things, 
and I'm going to work a little bit harder so that I can get this or that. You know, but Jesus warns us, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of his or her possessions. That's not what life, life is about, according to Jesus. You know, you can start a day in America very content. You can wake up feeling really good, very satisfied, but you just go through a walk through a store or a mall or watch a bit of television, flip through a magazine, and all of a sudden, there is want. There is want in you. How does that happen? Well, here in our country, there's a thing called advertising, marketing, and uh, it hits us hard. In fact, the average American encounters 247 advertisements every day. Every day you're bombarded with that, all with the goal of creating discontent. Don't you need this? Don't you want this? <coughs> How about that? that? That's probably getting old. You need a new one now, don't you? I mean, that's what advertising and marketing is designed to do. It's to create need or want. You know, it reminds me of what God asked Adam and Eve after they were tempted in the garden and they sinned. What did, what did God ask them first? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? I, I almost feel like that's what advertising and marketing does to us. makes us feel like we're lacking. Who told you you were lacking, needy, naked? You know, Adam and Eve were perfectly content before. But greed is what we've practically been nursed on here in America from infancy. I mean, sometimes greed can come a different door. Uh, it can come in the door of security. You know, just saying, well, I just want to put a little more away so that I can be secure and safe. But remember, greed always says just a little bit more. It's what it says to us. And Jesus instead says, watch out for all kinds of greed. You know, take the parable that Jesus spoke of, you know, the man building the bigger barns. You know, think of that and juxtapose that in contrast to Adam and Eve in the garden. A beautiful place where they had everything they could ever need. They didn't get up and plant crops or anything. I mean, they tended a garden. They took care of it. But can you imagine Adam and Eve building barns? Building barns in the garden. And God coming in just going, what, what are you guys doing? What, what are you building barns for? And Jesus asked the same thing. Why, why do you need to store away? Look at the birds of the air. They don't, they don't collect and store away in barns. But God feeds them every day. And it's funny, a lot of birds, they eat like uh, 20 times their weight. So uh, if you want to be well fed, trust God. <laughs> trust God and, and His provision, and uh, you might eat 20 times your weight. That's a lot, isn't it? Boy. Well, here's why Jesus gives us the warning of watch out. And here's where the danger and destructiveness of greed comes in. The scripture tells us in 1 Timothy 6, says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Again, money is not evil, but the love of money 
is the root of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. They've wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And when I hear this, I hear this, I go, okay, I don't want ruin and destruction in my life. I don't want to be in a trap. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want harmful desires to lead me away from the faith. I don't want many griefs in my life. What is that all warning about? Greed, the love of money. And why such warning? Why such dire and scary words about this? Because money, things, and stuff require tending to. It requires you to serve them and in a sense love you, love them. You know, I, I understand this totally after moving from an apartment into a house. And the list is just never ending for homeowners. All the things that you have to have to keep your house going, I mean, the doormat, curtains, so people aren't looking in when you're changing your clothes. and You know, all the things that are necessary... But it's like, man, I didn't know we needed all this stuff. This is crazy. And it, and it just keeps going on and on. And that's the way it is. You end up serve, serving this house. And it's like, is this what I signed up for? Is this what I signed up for? To serve this house and love this house? No. That's not what I signed up for. But that's what happens. You begin serving things, stuff, and money if you're not careful. You can easily slip into it and when you serve money things and stuff you can't serve god at the same time at least that's what jesus told us and he asserts is the truth that you cannot serve god and money at the same time you'll either love one or the other you'll love one master and then hate the other and that is where the danger and destruction to our souls can occur and that greed can bring to us I want to read to you a passage from Ephesians that relates the seriousness of this sin to us. But to read it, I, I want to exclude a couple other sins that are included with greed. There's two others listed with greed. And I'm not trying to take or remove or do a Thomas Jefferson and cut things out of the Bible. I'm just saying I want you to hear this for what greed really is. Okay? And so what I need you to do, we're going to put the verse up on the screen, screens, but I want you to close your eyes and I want you to hear... The seriousness of greed in the context of this verse in Ephesians. Because sometimes we like to, we like to uh, minimize greed as a sin and maximize sexual immorality. And so I, I want you to close your eyes listen to this passage right now. But among you, Christ followers, there must not be even a hint of greed. Why? Because this is improper for God's people. For this you can be sure, no greedy person... Such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Don't be partners with the greedy. All right, you can open your eyes. You can look at the verse, and you can read it and go, is that really what it says? Was Shannon trying to fool us? Read it. Check it out. God is very serious about the sin of greed. And he says that greed is idolatry. It's bowing down to something lifeless. It's worshiping something lifeless. Greedy person is an idolater. A hint of greed should not be among us. Wow. We're not even to hang out with greedy people. That's serious stuff. 
I mean, right now, can I just hit the fail button for myself? I mean, because it's there in me. I mean, I can't deny that there hasn't been a hint of greed in Shannon McCready. I mean, it's not just something out there that I can blame on my environment or the way that I was raised. It's in me. You know what Jesus says to people like me, greedy, idolaters? He says, woe to you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but on the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind man. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. So what do I do? What do I do if I recognize that there is greed in me? What do I do if I find myself guilty of greed, guilty of idolatry, of worshiping another God? What am I supposed to do? Jesus says, clean it out. Clean it out. Get rid of the idol. Replace the idol with the true God, Jesus Christ. You know, you read in the Old Testament about these guys who destroyed altars and idols to false gods like Gideon. And sometimes we just need to get tough with ourselves. When it comes to greed, we just need to kick it over, kick that idol down, smash it. And we need to get tough with ourselves about it and just say, you know, it's true. It's there. It has idolatry in me. And we need to smash the idol and say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life once again as Lord and Savior. Come into my life in the rightful place. I know that I have I've walked with you. I invited you as my Lord and Savior before. But this idolatry has slipped into my life. And I do not want to worship something that's false. And Jesus, what I want to say is, Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. It is true, and we got to believe it, especially if we are people that say that we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Smash the idol. Replace with the true God. And we're also going to have to continue to walk in repentance. Continue returning to Jesus. Because there's going to be some more moments where greed tempts us. There's going to be some more moments where we're, we're going to be tempted to bow down to that idol. Look, repentance isn't something that you just do at the beginning of the Christian life. It's something that we do throughout the Christian life. Repentance is part of those words. Re- it's, it's, it means to turn around, to change your mind. And it means to turn around from sin and to turn towards God. It's turning from pursuing one thing to pursuing another. And that's what we have to be about if we're going to do away with greed. These are the countermeasures that we're going to have to take if we're not going to bow down to greed again. What will that look like for you? What will that look like for me? I think one of the things that we can help, one of the things that can help us is if we simply just ask the question, what is enough? What is enough? You know, when you talk about your job, your salary, what is it you want to attain? I mean, really, put, put a pencil and paper to it. 
what will be enough for you, your family, those that you take care of, so that you can live life and you can live generously and take care of things? I mean, write it down. Say, that will be enough. And what will happen when, when it comes to the point when you're offered the chance to surpass that? What about, you know, some of you young people? I know sometimes attention is a big deal. Being the center of focus is a big deal. What is enough? You got to get one more pin on your letter jacket. You got to get one more award. You got to get that better grade. You got to tell that one more joke before the teacher continues on. What's enough? What's enough for you? I believe the answer to the question is Jesus. Jesus is enough. You see, if Jesus is really God in flesh, the true God-man, he is sufficient for every need, everything, every want that we could ever have in our lives. No addition to him is necessary because he is life. He is my security. If Jesus holds the highest position in, in the universe, as Colossians 1.16 says, then there is nothing better, no desire higher than him. Contentment is in him. If Jesus is supreme over everything, holding everything together, as Colossians 1.17 says, then I can trust him to hold me together without things, stuff, money, attention. Jesus, if he has a great purpose, if he truly has a great mission that he is actively carrying out in this world and in me, then I can know that I am complete in him. Or at least I will be complete in him. Jesus is enough. As the psalmist said in the Old Testament, Jesus is my portion. You ever go to a fancy restaurant and get disappointed with the small portions they serve? Big price, small portion. I did that the other night. I was at the Grove Park Inn. I was like, this is it? Man, I'm going to have to go out to dinner again. You know, with Jesus, it's not that way. Set the plate with him. You're going to be filled. There's going to be leftovers. You're going to be full. It's going to be overflow. Jesus is enough. Jesus is my portion. Seek his forgiveness and trust the person, Jesus Christ. If greed has been tempting you, if, there, if you have fallen to the idolatry and greed, if it's there, turn to Jesus Christ. Ask his forgiveness. He'll give it to you. And trust him. Don't trust a set of facts or information about religion. Trust Jesus Christ. Look, I, I don't have any more words for that, but I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to communicate to you. Jesus is enough. Trust Jesus Christ with everything. Once Jesus is your portion, the idol of greed is replaced. There are some things that Jesus can bring to the table to you and that he brings to the table for us. You see, Jesus can bring contentment. And what does the scripture say? We read in 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. See, Jesus comes into your life cleans out stuff. He makes us holy. He makes us set apart. He gives us new desires. 
That's part of what I was saying at the beginning, regeneration. Something that wasn't there before is now in us. It's in you. And maybe, maybe you know, you had that once upon a time when you began the journey with Jesus, and now you're going, where is that now? You just need to ask. Renew that within me, Jesus. Renew. Regenerate me. Renew me. My mind and my heart. With Jesus, if he truly is enough, and he brings contentment with that godliness, you can begin to redefine wealth. What if you redefine wealth this way? What if wealth isn't a certain number, it's a certain uh, dream or picture in your head? What if wealth is just enjoying what you already have? What if that's what wealth is? Can you do it? I believe it's possible in Jesus Christ. No matter what our current distress is or our current needs are, I believe that we can practice that kind of peace in our hearts and Jesus can bring that to us. Look, I know that some of you have very real needs and maybe some of you walked in here today with very pressing needs, but I want you to know that Jesus can meet those needs. He knows what we need. And I know that also the change from pursuing stuff and money to pursuing Jesus can be a real jolt to your system. You know, we might be tempted to worry with this whole new priority list. You know, when Jesus is first instead of money and things, we can start to worry. But you know what Jesus said about that? He said, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear, those things that you need. He says, you know what? Everyone else chases after that stuff. They chase after the things. They chase after the money. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows. So don't worry. Hold fast to Him. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things that you need, that others are chasing after, it'll be given to you by God. But first, seek Him. You know, we just simply need to trust Him and come to Him with our needs in prayer or come to the Lord with the things that we think we need. I know for some of us, it's kind of hard in, in an affluent society. We're not even sure anymore what is a real need and what is a want. I mean, we have so much. And so sometimes it's even hard to figure out what's a good desire and what, what is greed. And maybe sometimes you're just tired of the introspection and you just want to say, Lord, it's, it's all yours. Just figure out my heart and just, just give me what I really need. Reminds me of this story. There was a, a mother, and after this, uh, the band will come up and we'll, we'll continue. But there was this mother uh, back in the day when they had general stores and five and dime places. And she walked in with her little girl to this general store. And uh, this little girl was a real smart thing and uh, came up to the, the counter where they were checking out with their goods and and you had all the big candy jars there. And she was kind of looking up at them. And, and the general store manager was kind of looking at this little girl going, oh, she's so cute. And oh, I'll give her something. So he says, little girl, would you like some candy? It's on me. It's free. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I do. And uh, I said, okay, we'll go ahead and grab some. And then all of a sudden she got shy. And she got stubborn. And she goes, and then her mother's kind of like, come on, dear. He's like, come on, reach up here. I'll pull off the lid there. You can grab in there. Just grab a handful. And she's like. And then the, the so then her mother's really confused. What's going on here? And then the store manager was gracious, and he just grabs the jar and holds it down there and said, well, why don't you take some? She's like, 
okay, well, I'll get it for you. And he reached in and grabbed a handful, gave it to her, and this great big smile gets on her face, and she puts it down in her pockets, and they're walking out of the store, and as they walk out, her mother's like, what was wrong with you? Why, why didn't you reach up there and grab that yourself? Didn't you say that you wanted some? And, and she looked up at her mother and said, because yeah, her mother was like, well, why, why did you do that? She said, well, because he had bigger hands than I did. Now, that's a smart little girl. That's a smart little girl. Now, you might go, well, that's a greedy little girl. And you can try to sort out her motives or whatever, but she was offered something, and she was smart about it. And I think the same thing with us. You know, in America, we're not sure what's really a want or really a need, but why don't we just take everything to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I don't know if this is a want or need, but I put my desire before you, and I'll let you grab, I'll let you reach, because your hands are bigger than mine. And I'm not going to reach and I'm not going to grab anymore. I'm going to let you give to me. I'm going to let you supply to me. So today, during our time, I know that maybe some of you maybe have never recognized the idolatry of greed. And maybe it's a moment where you're like, I, I, this has been an issue in my life. I do need to repent of it. And I want you to know, it's okay for Christ followers to repent of this. That's part of what we do in being a Christ follower. We turn away from these things and turn to Jesus. And if you're someone here today who's never given your heart to Christ, never trusted in the cross, I want you to know that sin is not a matter of cleaning up yourself. It's about Jesus Christ cleaning you up. There's nothing that you can do to clean yourself up except for turn to him and trust him that what he did on the cross for you is sufficient, that it it is enough. And for those of us who have already trusted to know that is it, he is enough forever. He is enough in our walk every day of our lives. And we need to believe that. Right now, I want you to listen to this testimony. Listen to this testimony about someone just like you and me who struggled. And I want you to remember that Jesus Christ satisfies. He is our contentment. Jesus is our portion.